Well, last week, uh, Kate, Pastor Kate, it's funny calling her Pastor Kate too because she's my wife, but uh, Kate brought an awesome message called Chapter 12 and that uh, God is in our outcomes. If you haven't listened to it um, yet or if you missed last week, definitely jump onto our website, fwcchurch.ca, and take a listen to it because I believe that was a really um, good message and a timely message. So definitely check that out. Um, one little blurb that they put on our Facebook, though, um, in regards to that was we see uh, God is in our outcomes. We see this written throughout all of Scripture, starting right in Genesis when he created creation to when he cursed the serpent. He knows the outcome, and spoiler, Jesus wins. So let's not forget that. But yeah, seriously, go listen to that because you don't want, don't do it right now because you're supposed to be here. But uh, this is such good news for us that Jesus wins. And uh, because Jesus wins, we can have confidence as we go through life knowing we have Jesus at our side. A couple weeks ago, we went up to the GROW conference in Fredericton, um, where it was just a whole bunch of churches that we relate with, ACOP churches, um, coming together for a day of just where we get built up um, as a larger group of church leaders, and we were privileged to have some of our board members and different members of our church um, just make the drive up, even for the, the night service we had there, and it was really great. But while we were there, a guy named Sean Stevenson Douglas, who's the president of Eston Bible College, um, he shared a message, and that message has been burning in me since I heard it. So today's message that I'm bringing you guys is in part based off of some of the stuff he was talking about. And this week, I'm telling my message back to mission. Back to mission. Now, as the church at large in North America, so not just like our local church, but the North American church, for years the mentality has been come. You know, we want, when we want to reach someone for Jesus, for them to hear the gospel, it's been a, hey, come to this service, or hey, come join this program. Um, for years and years, it's been that way. And while I can't speak for everyone or everything that has happened in this church or the churches in our area, I know that even for me and for Kate, um, sometimes we even struggle with come culture and um, how much it's part of our Christian culture. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that today. Uh, but before we do, I just thought it'd be really great to pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you that your word is alive and powerful and that you want to speak to each one of us today. So God, as we open your word, we just pray that your word would bless us, that it would enrich us that would open our eyes to the truth that you have for each one of us, Jesus. We just thank you that, that your word is relevant for us, that your word speaks truth to us, and that there is nothing that we can add to or take away from your word because it is truth. So God, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to start off by reading a very familiar passage of scripture. And as I do, the way that that Sean Stevens and Douglas brought the scripture. I really changed how I saw this passage. Um, it was really neat how he did it. But Psalms 23. And I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version today. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So good. So just breaking some of this down, like what is David saying in here? Um, first off, the Lord takes care of me. He protects me, supplies for me. You know, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, he leads me beside green pastures, still waters. He restores my soul. All of those kinds of things. It's just like, it's the, the good stuff. It's like, oh, this is so good. I could just like, I could put my feet up. I could stay in this place forever. But the one thing that I notice in here is that it says, he leads me. See, in this first part of the passage even, David's talking about how he's following the Lord's leading, how, he's, how the Lord has led him to these areas. So he's following. And then as it goes on, and kind of just like Kate said this last week, when we become a Christian or when we become a Christ follower, it doesn't mean everything is perfect. Everything is not always nice. We don't always stay in those nice, calm, green pastures or beside those nice, still waters. It says that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because he is with us. When everything seems dismal and dim, when all our hope seems like it's being sucked out of us sometimes, Jesus is with us. He is still shepherding us. His rod and his staff comfort us. You know, in Bible times, the rod was actually like a short, clubbish-like item that was used to, to fight off predators and to direct the sheep with little taps. <laughs> nice taps, right? Sometimes we need those too as, as God's sheep. <laughs> we need that little tap of correction. Um, but the rod, or sorry, yeah, the rod, the rod was used to more guide the sheep and just kind because of, it was longer. It was the staff-like thing that we typically think of when we hear the word shepherd. And then the hook on it was occasionally used to pull the sheep from danger. They would hook the sheep and pull it. These two simple devices protect us. And that's the picture David's painting for us is that, you know, as we're walking even through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus is walking with us. And he's using his love, his guidance to help keep us on that path. He's keeping us safe. He's fighting off predators for us. He'll use that hook if he needs to to pull us back into line when we're getting into danger. But the part of this passage that really stood out from the message that Sean brought, and it's the part that I really want to emphasize today, is that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. How many of us typically think of going and sitting down at a feast surrounded by our enemies? Doesn't always sound like the best case scenario. <laughs> but in this passage, David is talking about following the shepherd. He led him beside the still waters. You no, know, the, the green pastures or meadows. He restores him. He leads him along paths of righteousness. But then he's still following as he goes through the valley. But on the other side of that valley of the shadow of death, there's a banquet waiting. There's a table, a feast full of goodness waiting for him in the presence of his enemies. Even when things look bleak, Jesus is preparing a feast. So good. Over the last several months, we've talked a lot about the Great Commission. You know, to go and, and make disciples or 
or better translate, in our going. So as we go, we should be making disciples. We as the church were never meant to stay in the safe places. So as we read, as we read in Psalms 23, we were never meant to just stay in those green pastures beside the still waters. While those are good and those are places where we can be restored, where we can be refreshed, Jesus never meant for us to set up our permanent residences in those places because he's got something greater beyond those borders. However, so often we find ourselves stuck in this, in like some kind of a safe Christian subculture. And by subculture, I mean like we've got like our world culture that we all live in every single day, but then we have this, this subculture within culture that is unique to just Christ followers or Christians that we, that we like to stay in. We like to, because it's, it's our safe bubble. Please note in the saying that though, that we want our community, you know, the people that we love, the people that we care for, you know, people in St. George and Blacks Harbor and Beaver Harbor and Eastern Charlotte, Charlotte County in general and beyond, we want them to know that this is a safe place for them, a safe place that they can even send their kids to, to some of the programs we do put on. But I'm more referring to here is as Christ followers, we need to get unstuck, get unstuck from a mentality that keeps us on the defensive because that was never Jesus' intention for us to stay in those safe places. No, sometimes we'll say things or think things like, no, we need to escape the world because it's not safe out there. I could give examples of songs for that, but I'm not going to right now. <laughs> there, or this is the only place we can come to worship. I just need to go to the church so I can worship, right? I've been guilty of saying that. Or this is, this is the only place where I can come to really hear from God. Or this is the only place we can bring our friends, neighbors, co-workers, and relatives to to hear about Jesus. I've been guilty of these things, saying those, thinking these way, this way. And, the, you know, there's lots of examples on the language that we use, but, but that's a message for another day. There's, just, there's things that we say all the time that I can make a whole message of. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail right now, but it's... We have that mentality, though, a lot of the time as Christ followers, where it's like, this is the place when really Jesus is saying, but I'm leading you here, right? He's, he's leading us somewhere. The church was never meant to be a safe thing. Being a Christ follower should be one of the riskiest things we could ever do in life by our humanistic thinking. You know, the way that we conduct ourselves as Christ followers to most people, it should seem like, whoa, you're like risking a lot for this thing. And that's the kind of life that Jesus has called each one of us to live. You know, to step into that valley of like unknown, of like what could happen as I walk down this path? What if I fall off? What if I fall into that abyss that I can't even see the bottom of? Well, good news, Jesus is there with us. Jesus is our safety as we go. The idea was never for us to come to a place to find safety. Jesus commissioned us to go, and he keeps us safe as we go. His rod and his staff protects us in our going. Jesus also promised his church that his church would advance, that the gates of hell would not prevail, and that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. These are promises in Scripture that we can all claim. 
It's so good. So the bottom line, though, is that it's time for us to go back, to get back to mission. You know, the mission has always been plan A, and Jesus never crafted a plan B. <laughs> he didn't need to because he knew that this is, this is what needs to happen, church. So what does this all mean for us? What is Jesus asking us to do? What's Jesus asking me to do um, out of all of this? Well, I have three points or three things to draw out. First one is we're not all evangelists, but we're all called to be witnesses. No, all of us don't have the gift of evangelism where we're, and evangelism can take its form in a lot of different ways, but all of us aren't wired for just like that pure form evangelism where we're just constantly like going, going out of our way to try and tell people about Jesus. But all of us are called to be witness, to bear witness to the goodness of what Jesus has done in our lives and to share that with the people that we relate to every day. <clears throat> For example, we did a thing at youth this week called a one minute where we gave space for the youth to share up to one minute about something that God was doing in their lives or a form of encouragement. So we just kind of opened the floor for them in a safe way. <laughs> but we just gave space for them to be able to share with the whole group, um, you know, what's something God's doing in your life? What, what's something that you can use to encourage someone else in this room? And, uh, you know, it started off a little bit slow and obviously, because everyone's afraid to talk usually. <laughs> Public speaking, fear number one. But, uh, but once they started going, man, some of the things some of these youth were saying and sharing, it was just like, I was getting encouraged by it, just hearing what God's doing and what God's revealing to them and how they can use that to encourage each other. It was so good. You know, multiple of them shared on identity in Jesus and to be strong and confident in who they are, who God created them to be, which is so important for them to grasp. So just that was just a simple way of bearing witness, though, to what Jesus is doing in their lives. No, if we're truly following Jesus' lead, if we're truly trying our best to follow his leading in our lives, every single one of us should have something to bear witness to. You know, sometimes for myself, I'm going off script, sometimes for myself, I used to discredit myself sometimes because I grew up in a Christian home. I don't have all these crazy stories of like deliverance and how my life was so terribly before. I honestly had a pretty good childhood. But there are other things that God has done in and through my life that I have recognized that I've been like, no, I am trying to follow Jesus and I do have a story to share. And I want to share it with people because God is good and he's done great things in my life and he has great things to do in your life. So don't discredit yourself. Sorry, that was just, don't discredit yourself. Everyone has something to share. Everything, everyone has something that can help someone else. No, sometimes it might take time to draw out those things and to develop, you know, what are those things that God has done in my life that I can share with someone else? No, there's a verse in Acts 4, verse 33, and it says this, And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. With great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. 
what are or were the dead areas of our lives, or as Kate may have termed our chapter 11s, that Jesus has resurrected? Who can tell and share with, who can we, who can we tell and share this with in our, while we're in our chapter 12s? No, so some of us, we've walked through, and again, like if you haven't listened to Kate's message, you'll totally get it if you listen to last week's. But, you know, she was talking about Lazarus and when he died in chapter 11 and came back to life. And then he was lounging with Jesus in chapter 12. What are the things that were dead in our lives that Jesus brought back to life that we can then take that while we're lounging in our chapter 12 and share it with someone else around the circle, around the table. When we share the resurrection power of Jesus with others, not only does it put us in line with Jesus' great commission, but it also puts us in a position to receive great grace in our lives. Where the innate power of God, his Holy Spirit, can really start to work in and through us. No, some of us might even think to ourselves, I'm not ready, or my kids can't handle that, or, you know, it's just too risky, it's me being too vulnerable. I've said all of those things for the record, so I'm not just making things up. I've said those things, you know, I'm not ready, or, you know, my kids, you guys aren't ready for that, I'm sorry, I just, it's a no, or, no, I can't share that because it's me being too vulnerable or risky. Well, I've got a couple of things on that as I've thought about this. So addressing the first one, the I'm not ready. If Jesus has asked you to do something, he will empower you to do it. Period. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. That was Jesus' word. So if he's asked us to do something, if he has led us somewhere to do something, he's going to give us what we need to do it. And we, have, we just have to trust in him and put our faith in him as we confidently walk that out. <laughs> we put our faith and trust in him. You know, I'm sure even the disciples and apostles had moments of unease and hesitation. But it's in our obedience to Jesus' direction in our lives that we see real blessing and breakthrough happen. Now, the second one, my kids can't handle that. And I'm speaking just as much to myself right now as to any of you guys because these are, these are real things. You know, when we told our people that we were going to send our kids to the public high school this year, we did receive some questions and pushback from some different people. We expected it, you know. So I'm, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here. And, but I think it's important to share, and it's something that we had to walk through as parents. Some questions were, well, why would you send them to that school when we have a Christian school in our own church? It's a fair question. Do you even know what happens in a public school? Also a fair question. <laughs> First of all, we believe in and are actively working in our Christian school here. We believe in our school. We believe in the teachers. We believe in the students, and we love them. And we are, we are working hard with them. So our shoulder is behind the plow in that area. You know, our kids even attended here last year, but we felt like God was asking our kids to do something different. 
and knowing it was going to be uncomfortable and that would likely cause questions, we decided to do our best to just be obedient to God to God, in what he was asking us to do and what he was asking them to do. To be, to be honest, I really do believe that God has called them to go to that school. And me and Caitlin, we had those conversations and we said, who are we to stand in between what God wants our kids to do? So that, that was, that's the honest truth of that. So when we think my kids, kids can't handle that, it goes right back to the previous point. If Jesus is calling our kids to do something great, to do something, or, or even someone else in the next gen to go and do something, he will give them what they need to accomplish it every time because that's what he's promised to do. You know, even in 1 Timothy 4.12, Timothy was a young leader in the church and an, an apprentice or a disciple of Paul. And one of Paul's encouragements to him was found in 1 Timothy 4.12. Again, another very familiar verse. I'm reading this one from the NIV version. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. The next gen is uniquely wired to reach their generation. They are, because they are native to their own culture. So as the church, and they are just as much a part of the church as any one of us, old people. I'm an old people. <laughs> they are the ones best suited to reach that generation. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't all have a part to play in that. We can't just cop out because, well, no, it's their thing now because that's their generation. No, every single one of us, doesn't matter what generation you're from, if you're a Gen X, a baby boomer, a Gen Z, a Gen, I don't know where they're going next with that, millennial, doesn't matter what generation we're from, we all have a part to play. But we shouldn't hold our kids back or anyone in the next gen because we don't understand the rising culture like they do. We do, however, need to walk with them. We need to encourage them. We need to support them and even correct them sometimes. <laughs> that rod and that staff come in handy. <laughs> and promote their growth with Jesus the whole way through. It's about empowering them and walking with them. And that's another form of discipleship that we can all take a part in. And then the final piece on vulnerability, we need to be real with our community. We need to be real people. In this generation especially, and I'm by that comment, that's not just talking about the next gen, that's like anyone who's alive today, um, with all of our access to information and windows into everyone's lives through social media, they will smell fake a mile away. You can tell when someone's posting on Facebook or Instagram and you're like, that ain't real. That's, that's fake all the way. I know that person too well, <laughs> right? We need to live real, authentic lives that have a level of vulnerability mixed with wisdom and discernment. So yeah, there's some things that you really just shouldn't blab out and share with everybody. But there are parts of our lives where we have seen God work that can be used to enrich someone else's life and if we hold that back, then we're holding back part of God's story that we could have used to share with someone else that could have built someone else up 
or even called them out of a dark place back onto the path. What this really means is be respectfully you. <laughs> Filter when needed, but don't shy away from showing others how Jesus has changed your life. You may have to use the hard stories to show it sometimes. Lots of us have hard stories, ones where we face difficulty, great difficulty, but God was in those stories still. We're all called to be witnesses, to share our stories and the good news of Jesus. Each one of you has the same Holy Spirit in you that I do. Every single one of us have the same Holy Spirit. And great grace will be on you as you go. So be encouraged with that. Number two, we are blessed to be a blessing. In Genesis 12, 1 to 3, we take a look at Abram's story. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and you and in you, all the families on the earth shall be blessed. Abram was sent. He was to go, and in his going, he would, be a he would be blessed to be a blessing. As God would bless him, he was going to be a blessing to everyone else. It actually says, the whole earth shall be blessed through him. Jesus, when he blesses us, it's not for us to hold on to. It's to bless others with again. You know, this, uh, this passage, it actually sounds very similar to the Great Commission. You know, that whole go, make disciples, go, be a blessing. All of us have been blessed by God in one way or another. What is something that God has blessed you with that you can use to bless someone else? You know, this is an opportunity to share with someone else not only the gift you received, but also an opportunity to share with them the ultimate gift, the good news of Jesus. Because when we share a blessing with someone else, that opens a door to share a little bit of Jesus with them too. So whether you've been financially blessed, you can sing like an angel, or you can build something out of pretty much nothing, or maybe you're a dog whisperer, or amazing with kids, those can be the same thing sometimes, or can bake delicious treats, how can you take that blessing and bless someone else? <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Kids are looking at me like I'm the worst thing ever right now. Oh dear, what have I said? In Acts 20, 35, let's get back to the Bible. It says, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said is more blessed, blessed to give than to receive. We are blessed to be a blessing. God has given each one of us something. Let's use it. Let's leverage it. Let's bless someone else with it. And finally, number three, we need to start paying attention to groups of people and not just individuals. This was one of the main points that Sean had in his message that I heard. And holy smokes, did this impact me. Holy smokes, did this challenge me and how I have led my life all the way up until this point. And I can't get this out of my head. In Acts 30, we see the account of Paul and Silas being in prison. Familiar story. 
you know, the earthquake was happening, jail cells were flying open everywhere, shackles were flying off. There was amazing stuff going on in there. But when the jailer came, he thought for sure everyone would be gone and that he would be in a lot of trouble because of it. And so he's like, well, I'm going to kill myself. It's game over. But Paul cried out, do not harm yourself. We are all here. Awestruck by what just happened and the fact that everyone stayed, he asked Paul a question. The jailer asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? Now, if Paul was only focusing on the individual in this story, he would have only said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. He would have stopped there. And he did say that to the jailer. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And that's the same thing that we can tell our friends and families and coworkers and everyone else that doesn't know Jesus, that that's all it takes. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. But Paul didn't stop there. Paul knew that this was an opportunity to reach a group of people and not just an individual. He continued, you and your household. You see, this is an amazingly simple yet profound opportunity all of us have. When any of us have the opportunity to share part of our story or pray for someone to be healed or share the good news about Jesus, one of the first follow-up questions that we should be asking is, who else do you know that could benefit from hearing this? Or is there someone else that needs healing too, right? This is the, this is the one that just like, how many times have I missed an opportunity? And it hit me hard during this conference. Likely, when you ask those questions, they will be able to think of someone, and that is a whole new opportunity to now share Jesus again. In the Great Commission, we are called to make disciples of all nations, not just individuals. While, yes, discipleship is something that works really well in small groups of people or like one-on-one -on -one type situations, we are all called to share the good news with entire nations of people. We were called to go to the nations. No, nations could be people groups, could be tribes, families, organizations, however you want to look at it, it's chunks of people, not just the ones. The simple question of who else can lead to a profound impact in our communities. Can you imagine that? If I prayed for someone at the grocery store and they got healed just like that, and then you go, who else needs to hear about this? Who else needs to get, have an opportunity to be prayed for? Well, I bet you I could, I bet I put money on it, <laughs> even though I shouldn't. But, <laughs> right? <laughs> they would find someone. They'd know at least one other person that's got something going on that you could go pray for. One opportunity. And I think to myself, how many times have I missed that opportunity? How many times have there been people that I've seen God do something amazing in or I've shared part of my story with to encourage someone and never thought to ask, who else could benefit from this? This message is a challenging one for me too. How many times have I failed to share my story or to pass on a blessing or have just been too narrow-minded in my own view of what Jesus can do in a situation to only see the one instead of the group? 
I'm going to invite everyone to stand with me today. I'm going to read Psalm 23 one more time. And if the worship team wants to come up, that'd be awesome. I'm going to read Psalm 23 one more time. And as I do, let's ask Jesus to show us where we've been playing it safe. And where is he setting up a feast that we might have to go through some difficulties to get through to get to? Psalm 23. In fact, let's close our eyes as I read this and just really focus in and hear from Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each person that's here today. Lord, I pray that you would just start to do a work in each one of us. That you would start bringing back into our minds those things, those situations that we've walked through, some of the difficult things, Jesus, where we've seen your hand at work, where we've seen you pull us back onto the path, where we've seen you rescue a situation, where we've seen you do healings, where we've seen miraculous things happen, Jesus, where we've seen the dead things in our lives come back to life. Bring those back to us. Bring those memories back to us, Jesus, so that we can use them to share with someone else. Jesus, we are your church. We as a people are your church. And as we go, as we head into our communities, as we head into workplaces and schools, businesses, grocery stores, you name it, help us to bear witness to you. Help us bear witness to the miraculous things you've done in and through our lives. And then remind us to ask the question, who else needs to hear? <coughs> Lord, I pray that you'd give us a courage. I pray that great grace would be upon each one as they go and bear witness to people. Jesus, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us, that you promised that you would never leave us. And that we can have that confidence walking along those paths, knowing you are there by our side, and that there is a great feast waiting on the other end. So, Lord, we bless your people in their going. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe you're here today or you're viewing this online and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. I don't want to miss that opportunity again, ever again. So if that's you and you're in this place, maybe with every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you in this place and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, and you're here today in the room, if you could just slip your hand up so I know who I'm praying with. And if you're doing this online, 
um, we want to pray with you as well. So I'm going to say a prayer and just repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us, that you sacrificed yourself for each one of us, and that the dead things in my life can come back to life by your power. So I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you did that for the first time, man, that is amazing. That is, that is something to share with someone else. And if you did that online, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to the church, and we'd love to connect with you and just resource you however we can. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. If anyone wants prayer, Caitlin and myself, we're going to be up front here. Um, feel free to come up to the front, front if you want prayer. Um, otherwise, join in with the song.